Happy New Year, Woodlands Church! How are you? Yeah. Now that's the passion I like to see in the new year. Hey, we're just thanking God like crazy around here because we're coming off the most attended, most life-changing Christmas Eve services in the history of Woodlands Church. There were 877 people who committed their life to Christ at our Christmas Eve services. That's something to get excited about because there's no greater miracle than the miracle of one changed life. And that's what God is doing here. We also had another Christmas miracle in our family because our daughter Megan and son-in-law Jordan had a beautiful baby boy born on December the 30th. Yeah, Rowan Warrior Alpha, and here's his picture. He's just a little baby burrito right there. It's amazing. Now, uh, Rowan has a bigger brother named Lincoln who's one, and Lincoln has some older cousins, Ben and Joanna, who are four and three, and Ben and Joanna really have trouble pronouncing Lincoln. They just call him Winkin, baby Winkin. And so now with Rowan, it's gonna be Winkin and Woen. And then we also have Mary Love, and it's Mary Wove to them. So it's Wink and Woe and Mary Wove, and that's our family coming together in a wonderful way. Now, I love Rowan's middle name, Warrior. And with a name like that, you gotta attack life. And that's the way we all feel when we're entering a new year. We wanna attack life, because when the sun rises on New Year's Day, it also gives rise to new hopes and big goals that are destiny-changing but it doesn't take long for the blizzards of life to bury our goals. And we start feeling the freezing rain of our failures. And we get frostbit with a bitter cold of disappointment and discouragement. And before you know it, we put our goals on ice and our dreams in the deep freeze. But it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, God says, I don't want it to be that way in your life. So when we're starting this new series we're calling Frozen Goals, and God wants to melt away all the barriers that hold you back in this new year. And the number one obstacle that keeps us from making the changes that change our destiny is a frozen mindset. We get stuck in the rut of wrong thinking. We have a false belief system. The Bible says it all the way through that you have to change the way you think before you can change the way you act. If you wanna change your actions, develop a new habit, get rid of a destructive habit. First, you've got to change the way you think. We get this brain freeze of false thinking. Uh, let me explain it to you. We all know that willpower doesn't work. We know that willpower doesn't work because we've all tried to break free from a destructive habit that holds us back and harms our relationships, and only to fall back into it. Or we've tried to start a new discipline that we really need in our lives to make the changes we need to make and it's going really good for a while and everything's working out with willpower. We're giving it everything we've got but before you know it, we fall back into the same old rut. Willpower just doesn't work. And let me explain it this way. Let's just say, just imagine that you get into one of those new self-driving cars and you wanna go to Galveston but all of a sudden, the car pulls out, gets on Interstate 45 going north, and you look and see the car's been programmed to go north to Dallas. Its autopilot is set to north. And so you take the steering wheel and you force it to get off of the freeway and do a U-turn and get on 45 going south. And you're holding on to that steering wheel, but soon you get tired, you let go, 
and it reverts back to its autopilot going north and it takes you to Dallas. That's the way it is with willpower. You see, with willpower, you try to force it with all your might, but eventually you let go of the wheel and you go off the diet. Eventually you let go of the wheel and you go back into that destructive habit that hurts you and everyone around you. You see, before you can really change direction, you gotta change your autopilot. You gotta reprogram your autopilot. You gotta change the way you think before you can change the way you act. And so many of us just try willpower in the new year. We have this desire that comes from God to change. And every new year, God really puts that in our hearts to change, but we never change our autopilot. And you'll never change until you change your autopilot first. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. It's maybe the most important message you hear all year because it's all about how to truly change. Not the old way with willpower, but with real power, God's power, because you don't only need a new autopilot, you need a new pilot. You need God to direct your life and give you his power instead of willpower. I want you to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter one because here we see that the children of Israel had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years and then God raises up Moses, the great deliverer, to deliver them out of slavery in Egypt and then they go to the promised land and before they go into the promised land, they send 12 spies into the land to check it out and bring back a report. The 12 spies come back and they say, it's the promised land, all right. I mean, it's got everything. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's the most beautiful place we've ever seen in our lives. It's all it's cracked up to be. It is the promised land. But 10 of the spies said, but there are also giant warriors in the land, and we can't take them. We're just not strong enough. They're giant warriors in the land. And two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, yes, they're giant warriors in the land, but God is bigger and greater, and we can take them with God's power. For you see, the people of Israel were free. They were no longer slaves in Egypt. They were in a whole new place. You see, their location had changed but their autopilot hadn't changed. It was still set to slavery in Egypt. They, they still had a mentality that they were just little pawns in the great chess game of life, that they were just a little cog in the big wheel of life and they couldn't really do much because they'd tried and failed before. And mentally, they were still bound by the change from their past. And they hadn't broken free. They were on the same old autopilot. Their location had changed but their autopilot hadn't changed. And so, basically, Joshua and Caleb were outvoted 10 to two, and God caused the people of Israel to wander around in the hot desert for 40 years until their frozen mindset could melt away, and their autopilot would change. In fact, some of them, their autopilot was so stuck that it says a whole generation had to die out in the desert before a new generation with a new autopilot could come up. That's how important it is, and so, in our passage in Joshua 1 today, we see 40 years later, they're back on the doorstep of their destiny. And now Joshua, one of the two who believed that God could do it, he's now their leader. And that's where we pick up the passage because here everything changes because their autopilot changes. Their minds are reprogrammed and this is what God wants to do in our lives, and this is what God wants to speak to you in this new year. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church? And by the way, we do that. We stand in honor of God's word and reading of God's word 
not because God tells us or we're supposed to do that or because it's any huge deal whether we did it or not, but I just like to do that to remind you how God's word is what changes our lives. It's not my words, it's God's word that changes lives. It's the only thing that can change lives and that's what we built our life on. It's the only thing solid enough to build a life on, to build a church on, to build a family on. And so that's why we do that. So I want you to look with me. We're gonna read Joshua chapter one, verses one through five. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Dear God, I thank you for your promise. As we enter this new year and we don't know what to expect, we can count on one thing, that you will be with us, that you'll never leave us. And we thank you for that. But Lord, I pray as well that you would speak to everyone within the sound of my voice, that you would just speak to us, Lord, your word that's life-changing. I know you have a personal and powerful word for each and every one of us because you know where we're at and what we're going through. And I pray that you would help us really receive your word and that you would begin this process of reprogramming and melting away our frozen mindset so that we can step into the destiny that you've called us to, that this will be the year, this will be the year that you'll change us, that we'll be on a road, Lord, that leads us to a whole new place so that we can experience all that you want for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, and I want you to underline that phrase where God said to Joshua, the time has come for you. God was saying to Joshua, this is your time. This is your moment. This is the defining moment of your life. This is the time. This is the time for you to lead the people out of the desert into their destiny. The time has come for you to leave the past behind and step into your future. The time has come for you to make the change that changes everything. And I truly believe with all my heart this new year is your time. This is your moment. This is your chance. This is the time for you to step out of your desert into your destiny. I truly believe the time has come for you to step out of that destructive habit into God's plan and purpose for your life. The time has come for you to stop wasting your one and only life and start becoming all that God has called you to be. The time has come for you to stop being frozen by your fears and start building your faith. The time has come for you to stop holding on to that hurt that's been hurting you and let go and finally let God heal you. The time has come for you to stop trying to play God and control everything and change by willpower and let go to God and trust him for his power. This is your moment, this is your time. I believe with all my heart God says to you the time has come for you. The time has come for you to step out of the desert and into your destiny. 
and this is the year, 2020. 2020, God has given you a vision to step out of the desert into your destiny. But there are three things you need to know before you can really make the changes that change your destiny. Three things that God reminded the people of Israel. So I, I want us to look at it. First, you gotta change your autopilot by focusing on God's promises. You change your autopilot with God's promises. And for you see, when the people of Israel came again to the door of the promised land, it was the same place they'd been year, 40 years before. They were at exactly the same place they were at 40 years before, and there were the same giants in the land. It was the same promised land, there were the same giant warriors in the land, but this time they had a new autopilot, a new mentality. 40 years in a hot desert will melt away your frozen mindset and reprogram your mind, and that's what God had to do before they could really take that step that would change everything. You see, God promised them the land. God said, this is your land. Promised them that 40 years ago. This is your land, it's yours, I've given it to you. That was God's promise to them. And so they focused on God's promise instead of their past. And that's so important to understand, to reprogram your mind, you've gotta focus on God's promises rather than focus on your past. Some of you need to hear that because you've been dwelling on the past instead of God's promises. And if you don't dwell on God's promises, you will dwell on the past. Some of you are dwelling on your past shame and mistakes and failures and sins, and you're just stuck in the past. Some of you, you're dwelling on all your past regrets. Think about the people of Israel. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. Don't you think every day they were filled with regret? I mean, after two years, they were probably saying, we could have been in the promised land for two years now instead of wandering around the desert. After 20 years, we could have been in the promised land for 20 years. 20 years of regret. They wandered around in the wilderness of lost opportunity for 40 years. And now they're back at destiny's doorstep. And they were filled with regrets, but they didn't focus on their past regrets. They focused on God's promise. And I want you to know, I don't know what your past regrets, failures, shame, and sin are but too many of us just focus on our past. Our past hurts and wounds. Can you imagine Joshua and Caleb? They said, let's go for it. They did everything right. They were in the middle of God's will, but they still had to wander around in the desert with all the other thousands whose autopilot hadn't changed. Don't you think they thought every once in a while, this isn't fair? This can't be right? But they focused on God's promise. It wasn't about their past failures. It wasn't about their past hurts. It was about God's promise. They focused on God's promise that the land was theirs. And I want you to know God has given you a promise that you have a promised land in 2020 that you have to step into. But many times we get stuck in the past and it keeps us from really enjoying the present. It's kind of like driving your car, looking at the rearview mirror the whole time. You're eventually gonna crash. Now you need a rearview mirror for perspective. It's really important for safety but you drive your car looking through the front windshield. But some of you, your rearview mirror has become bigger than your front windshield. And it's all about being stuck in the past. And God says it's time for the front windshield to become bigger. And that happens when you see God's promises. That mindset that's been frozen gets melted away and 
those dreams that were in the deep freeze start thawing out, and those goals come back to life. And it's not about the past failures anymore, it's about God's power and God's favor in your life. And so I want you to see this promise that God gave Joshua in Joshua chapter one. It says, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You can't be truly successful until you're, you succeed at changing your autopilot. And how do you do that? By focusing on God's promises, by meditating on God's word. And so I'm gonna challenge you in this new year to meditate on God's promises. We're starting something tomorrow morning on our website and on all of our websites, Facebook, everything, that we're calling 21 Promises. And so starting tomorrow morning, there'll be a promise of God. For the next 21 days, there'll be a promise a day, and I'll have a devotional that's written around that promise, and I want you to read the promise several times, meditate on it. Try to memorize the promise. Because when you begin to put God's promises in your mind and you dwell on God's promises, you think about God's promises, it literally reprograms your brain. You see, when Christ comes into your life, you get a whole new heart. He changes your heart, your desires change, but your brain is just flesh, and so your brain hasn't changed. And that's why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the Bible said that long before brain science said that. And now the new brain science tells us that the Bible was true all along, that your mind can actually be reprogrammed based on what you focus on, what you think about. I mean, it, you're, the physiology of the brain actually changes when you focus on certain things. The synapses connect in different ways, and so you can come to Christ, your heart be changed, but you're still stuck in the same old ruts because there are ruts in your brain over time, developed by all those habits that were destructive. And, and you need to develop new ruts with new habits, and the way you do that is you focus on God's promises. And as you focus on God's promises, your brain begins to change, literally, physically. The physiology of your brain changes. Your mindset changes. Frozen mindset melts away. Your autopilot changes. And then you'll change the way you act. 21 promises starting tomorrow. I really challenge you to do that. Maybe five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night meditating on God's promises that literally, literally change the way you think. <clears throat> you'll either focus on God's promises or you'll focus on, on the problems in your life. Now, there, there's a surefire way to understand and determine if your autopilot has changed or not. You see, the people of Israel kept sinning in a certain way over and over and over again. They kept going back to this default sin. And the Bible calls it the sin of unbelief. We would probably call it grumbling, griping, complaining, going negative. Uh, but God calls it the sin of unbelief, and he says it's a really serious sin. It's the sin that caused that whole generation to die on the desert. Because what would happen is, when they got into the wilderness after God had saved them from slavery for over 400 years in Egypt, they're delivered, they're finally free, and they're, they're out there in the wilderness, and then they got thirsty and they started griping, God, why'd you lead us out here to die? And they started griping at their leader Moses, complaining about, I mean, we don't have any water, this is ridiculous. And then God would do a miracle and give them water. And then they go, we're hungry. And they gripe about it. 
and complain, and then God would send this perfect bread from heaven, manna, this sweet bread from heaven, this perfect nutritional food, and then they started griping about that because they said, this is really boring. We're tired of manna. We have manna for breakfast, manna for lunch, manna for dinner. I mean, we've tried everything. We make manna burgers, manna cotti, manna bread. I mean, just everything with manna. Just manna, 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 manna. We're sick of it. And they started griping to God about this perfect food. And so God said, okay, I'll bring meat. And then quail began to fall, and they had meat. And God worked miracle after miracle after miracle. And they even said to God, we'd be better off as slaves in Egypt because at least we had onions to eat by the Nile. You know, we'd be better off. It was better off in slavery than out here. It was the sin of unbelief. It showed their autopilot hadn't changed at all. And whenever I start to gripe, grumble, or complain, it just shows that my autopilot hasn't changed. It's still set to willpower, what I can do, rather than God's power, what God can do. I'm still focused on my problems rather than God's promises because whenever you gripe and grumble and complain and blame others, you're really just blaming God. You're saying, God, I don't think you're doing a very good job. You don't know what you're doing here. That's what they were saying, and that's what I say when I gripe and complain. God, you don't know what you're doing. And it's okay to come to God and go, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't like it. God, I pour out my heart to you. But when you say, God, this is ridiculous. God, and and you start griping at others, getting mad at others, and griping about your circumstances, that's the sin of unbelief because it's really slapping God in the face saying, God, I don't think you know what you're doing. I could do it a lot better. God says, that's the sin of unbelief. And it really shows me that my autopilot hasn't changed. And I'll keep living in defeat as long as my autopilot hadn't changed. It all comes back to what you focus on. I'm just developing deeper ruts in my mind when I'm complaining, when I'm griping, and not trusting God's promises. Fill your mind with God's promises, and you'll have a whole new power in your life to change. And so the people began to look at God's promises, and everything began to change. Their autopilot begin to change. But then I want you to see a second thing. Once you focus on God's promises and change your autopilot, you got to step into your promised land. you got to take that step of faith. In Joshua 1.3, I love this promise of God. God says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Underline that phrase, wherever you set foot. God said to the Israelites, I've already given you the promised land. It's yours. All you have to do is stake your claim to it. And they're like, but, but there are big warriors in the land. Yeah, I know, but if you'll just set your foot there, I'll give you that land. Wherever you put your foot, wherever you take a step of faith, I'll open up the door. I'll part the river. I will destroy the walls. If you'll just set your foot, then I'll do the miracle. But you've got to take a step of faith. And that's what happened all along the way. You know, they, they get to the first city, Jericho, this massive walled city. And God says, take a step of faith. Start walking around the city. And the walls came tumbling down. And then the next city was this little city called Ai. It was just a little molehill of a city compared to Jericho. So they said, we can take that right away. Let's go for it. They didn't trust God. They reverted back to their autopilot, willpower, and they were defeated. And that failure reminded them to go back to the one who would never fail them. And they went back to God's power. And so every time they would take a step of faith, God would win the victory for them. Every time they would step back in fear, they would suffer a defeat. And so God says, you've got to take the land. You've got to step into what I've given you. And this year, God has given you peace. 
He's given you security. He's given you purpose. He's given you provision, but you got to take a step of faith into it. God has given you victory over that destructive, sinful habit that's held you back. You say, well, Carrie, why am I not experiencing that? If God's given me victory, then why do I keep falling back into it? Because you got to take a step of faith out of willpower into God's power. God has given you the land, but you've got to stake your claim to the land. That's the way God always works is that builds our faith. It's one step at a time. One step at a time. We always want to look way down the road in the future. Or we look back at our past and God says what's most important is the next step. Where's the next step going to be? Take that next step in faith. I've given you the land wherever you set your foot. You've got to set your foot on it. You've got to step out in faith. Now, where were they stepping into? This is real important because they were stepping into the land of victory for all the losers. I praise God for that because before we received Christ, we're all losers. We're lost in our sins. We've lost our way. We've lost direction. We've lost purpose. But when you come to Christ, then you're saved. But then you're still a loser because you lose all your guilt and sin. You lose a meaningless life. You lose anxiety. You lose fear. And you gain all the things that God wants you to have. But here's the thing that's so important to understand. And it's what God promised Joshua. When he said in verse 5, I will not fail you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm going to hold you up. And and I'm not going to fail you. I will always come through for you. This is really important because you're going to fail in life at times. There are going to be a lot of people that fail you, that let you down. But God will never fail you. But one of the greatest gifts that God allows you to have is the gift of failure. One of the greatest gifts God's ever given me is the gift of failure. When he allows you to fail and fall flat on your face when you're trying to do it with willpower so that you turn to the one who will never fail you. The only reason I've turned to the God who never fails me is because of my failures. So I realize I need him. And if you just had a string of successes over and over again all through your life where you succeeded at everything, you would be the most pompous and arrogant person on the face of the earth and you would never trust God. And nobody would like you. Some of you are just coming off a failure. Maybe it's a failure in business, a failure in your marriage. You're coming off a failure and I want you to know it doesn't feel like a gift, but God can use it as a great gift in your life if it turns you to the one who will never fail you. You know, I, I talk a lot, Chris and I have talked a lot about how when we started Woodland Church with this great dream and 15 people gathered in a home and we had our first worship service and it was, it was awesome and we were going, 15's not great. I mean, 100 would be better, 200 would be better, but 15, you know, I mean, hey, God can do that. It's great. And, and we were going, you know, there were some really awesome people in the 15. We were trying to pump ourselves up. 15 is wonderful, and there were some really sharp leaders there. It was, it was great. Now, there was that one dude that he was in all camo, and he had three pagers and two cell phones hooked to his belt. It's kind of weird. That's, that, that dude was weird. But we don't have to send him another invitation. He'll never know where we meet next. And then we had our next service. And so many of you know the story that only eight people came back the next week, and Five of them were my family, and out of the three others, one was the guy in camo. I was like, okay, God, this is a failure. I can't pump myself up after this one. This is just a flat-out failure. I'm not great at math, but I could do that math. We'd lost half the congregation a week if the trend continued. We got one more week, we're done. 
And that's when we really turned to God. We thought we were surrendered to God, that God, this is your church, but that's when we really said, God, you know, if anyone comes to Christ, if anything good happens here, you're gonna have to do it. It's all you. That's when we gave it over to God. You see, it was that great failure. It was my failure that caused me to turn to the one who would never fail us. And his love never, ever fails. And by the way, that guy in camo with the four pagers on his belt, he, he ran our sound for five years and did so many amazing technical things and was, then he went off to be a missionary. He's still one of the weirdest guys I've ever known, but he was a really talented nerd. And um, God can use whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, as long as you're surrendered to him. And I'm telling you that failure is one of the greatest gifts you'll ever receive because without failure, we would never turn to the one who will never fail and we would never experience God's power. And so we step into land of victory because God says, I've given you victory in my power. And then we step into that promised land. It's not only a land of victory for all those who have lost, but it's the land of strength for all the weak. And this is really good because many times I'm really weak. I just don't feel like I have what it takes. But in Joshua 1.5, God promises, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And I want to say this to you, if you're a Christ follower, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No problem will be able to stand against you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. I'm so thankful for that because they entered the promised land, but it wasn't the perfect land. They still had a lot of problems, and they had to keep trusting God. I'm sure there were many times they felt so weak. In fact, God told Joshua three times in this passage, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Why? Was it because Joshua was deaf? No, it was because he was fearful and weak. He felt fearful and weak, but God said, that's okay. If you'll give me your weakness, I will give you my strength. Stop using your own willpower and turn to my power. When you feel your weakness, that's when you can turn to God's strength. If you never felt weak, you never turn to God for strength. And some of you today feel like you don't have what it takes. You keep coming up empty. That's because you need to turn to the one who does have what it takes and receive God's power and strength. Some of you feel like you're not enough and you'll never be enough. And you won't be until you turn to God and find that he's more than enough for you. And you feel the value that he's placed on you, that you're more than enough, that you do have what it takes with God's power. And then you step into the land of never alone for all the disconnected. That's really important because the greatest human need that we have is the need to be connected. In Joshua 1.5, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So whatever you have to go through this new year, I'm gonna walk through it with you and I will never leave you. And that's so good to know because your number one need as a human being is connection. You just don't know it. But everyone is crying for connection. Everyone is desperate for connection. Almost all the problems of humankind can be traced back to a longing for connection and being disconnected, disconnected from God and disconnected from others. In fact, most of the problems in marriage are caused by a loss of connection. And the things we do desperately to try to get that connection back, they just make us more disconnected. And usually the way it happens is the wife will start feeling 
a loss of connection, and then she will get kind of aggressive and attack the husband just because she's so afraid of losing connection, and, and she'll do it in a wrong way, and the husband then will withdraw, so fearful for a lack of connection that he doesn't even realize how much he needs connection. And he becomes fearful of her disapproval and her rejection, and he feels like he doesn't have what it takes, so he withdraws even more. She attacks even more. He withdraws even more. And before you know it, they give up and try to numb themselves out because they're so afraid and desperate for connection and so afraid of losing it that they don't know what to do. But everything they do to try to get it back just causes more disconnection. And that's why you need to be here next weekend because Chris and I are gonna speak together on this. We're gonna talk about thawing out your closest relationships. And I'm telling you, this is the principle that can change everything in your closest relationship, especially marriage relationship. We're longing for connection and most of the things that we do that cause problems in our relationships are caused by trying to get connection in the wrong way. And we're gonna teach you something that's gonna break through everything. And everything will melt away, all the confusion, all the things you argue about aren't really the problem. But you need to know what the root is and how to really develop connection in your relationships. First, being connected to God but we're gonna talk about being connected to each other next week, so don't miss it. We're gonna kick off the whole Frozen series next weekend, and Chris and I are gonna speak together, and it's gonna be a blast, but you're gonna learn something that's gonna be life-changing from God's Word. But then there's a third thing. You see, you have to change your autopilot by focusing on God's promises, but then you have to step into your promised land. But there's a third thing. You gotta go through the river of surrender. The road to the promised land always goes through the river of surrender. There was only one thing separating the people of Israel from their promised land, only one thing that came between them and their destiny, and it was the Jordan River, and it was at flood stage at that time of year. So Joshua knew when God said, this is your time, this is your moment to lead the people out of the desert and into their destiny, he knew what God was saying. God was saying, you've got to go through the Jordan River at flood stage. And Joshua knew humanly that when you take hundreds of thousands of people through the Jordan River at flood stage, most of them are gonna drown. It's humanly impossible. But he didn't focus on the circumstance, he focused on God. He focused on God's power because his autopilot had totally been focused on God through God's promise that he'd given him. And so he followed God and he went into the river. Now I don't know what river is standing between you and your destiny. But there's almost always a river that stands between us and our destiny. Maybe it's a river of shame and guilt from all your past sins and mistakes. And we usually try to run from that river because we don't want to face it. But you've got to run into that river. You've got to face it head on and admit it. Not to try to make it better, but to admit how awful it was and to bring your regrets to God and step into his river of forgiveness and feel his forgiveness flow through your life. Don't run from your river. Or maybe it's the river of resentment. You're holding on to a past hurt. You've been wounded so deeply. And you're holding on to it. You've been running away from the river of resentment, but that resentment has taken hold of you. You've got to run into the river. You can't run from your river. You've got to run into that river. And whether you feel like it or not, you've got to take a step into the river and choose to forgive the person who hurt you. Not because you feel like it. Not because they deserve it. But because God commands you to. And it's the only way you'll find healing. You hold on to hurt, it only hurts you. And so you step into that river and God's healing washes all through your soul. And it changes everything and you move into your destiny. 
What is the river that stands between you and your destiny? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the river of surrendering to God's power instead of your own power. Maybe you've been trying to be the captain of your own ship and you're sinking in the river right now and it's time for you to step into the river of surrender to give it over to God. What are you holding back from God that's keeping you from your destiny? Is it putting God first in your finances? Is it putting God first in your schedule? What is it that's keeping you? What, you can't run from your river. You gotta run into the river. You gotta step into the river. I love this passage because here's the way God worked the miracle in Joshua 3, 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan's at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Did you get that? In fact, underline that, when their feet touched the water's edge. That's the way God always works. You know, I want to stand at the river's edge and say, God, work a miracle and just part the water so I can walk through. Because if I can see it's parted, then it won't take any faith. But God says, no, you step into the raging river, and then I will part the waters. You've got to get your feet wet. You've always got to get your feet wet. You've got to surrender. You've got to trust God. You've got to take a step of faith. I always want God to open the door, then I'll walk through it. And God says, no, you walk through that closed door, and I'll open it as you're walking through. God says, you take a step of faith, and I will do the miracle. God wants to do miracles in your life this year, but he'll always call you to take one little step of faith. What's the next step of faith? He'll always call you to get your feet wet, to step into the river of surrender, to say, okay, God, I give up. And you take a step of faith, and I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's taking a step of faith in receiving Christ because you've never really received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe it's taking a step of faith to join the church, a little baby step to get off the sidelines and into the game. Maybe it's getting your feet wet by getting in a life group because you need connection desperately. You just think you're too busy for it, too busy for the thing you were made for. What is the next step? God says, you need to get your feet wet and then I'll work the miracle and then I'll part the water and you'll be able to walk through. It's all about letting go and surrendering, but we think if we let go to God and surrender to God, he's gonna let us down. And yet we let ourselves down all the time and others let us down. He's the only one who will never let you down. He'll never let go of you. Even, even when you can't hold on anymore, he'll still hold on to you. It reminds me of a story that Tim Hansel tells in his book, Holy Sweat. He said he and his young son, Zach, were out hiking and, and Zach was climbing on rocks and then all of a sudden he heard a yell, Dad, catch me! And he looked up and Zach was just right on top of him and he said he realized that he had jumped off of a rock and then yelled, Dad, catch me. And he said, I just looked up in time to just barely grab him and then we both fell to the ground, tumbling to the ground. I, I was so shocked and scared and I said, Zach, what were you thinking? Give me one good reason why you did that. And that little boy confidently said, sure, because you're my dad. And that's when we can trust God. He's our heavenly father, the perfect heavenly father. You may have a father on this earth that let you down, but our heavenly father will never let you down. He will always catch you. And you jump, he'll catch you. You let go, he'll catch you. He'll always be there. But you gotta let go. Sometimes our knuckles are turning white 
and we're holding on with all our minds, like holding on, holding on, holding on, and then we let go and God catches us. He'll always be there. And some of you have been holding on. It's time for you to let go. It's time in 2020 for you to get a new vision, a new autopilot, and a new pilot, and let God take control. There was a bumper sticker in a book years ago. It's like, God is my co-pilot. God will not be your co-pilot. He's not going to let you sit in the front with him. He's the pilot or nothing at all. You need a new autopilot. You need a new pilot. Surrender to God. He knows what's best for you, and he will always catch you and never let you down. Let's bow together. Dear God, I pray right now for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would help us just let go and trust you. Lord, we hold on so tightly, and the more we try to control, the more things spin out of control. The more we hold relationships tightly, the more we crush the life out of them, the more we try to fix everything, the more things just come unraveled. So I pray today that we would stop playing God and we would let you be who you are in our lives, that we'd focus on your promises in this new year, and you would just melt away our frozen mindset and change our autopilot, change our minds, change our hearts, renew our minds to your promises and help us take those steps of faith into our destiny. I pray, Lord, for everyone going through so much pain and hurt and heartache right now. And Lord, they, it just seems like maybe you're not even around because like Joshua and Caleb who had to wander in the desert for so long for something they didn't do. Sometimes it just doesn't make any sense to us, but I pray right now that you would just fill them with your peace and let them know that tomorrow's a new day and that you will see them through. And Lord, I pray that you would just part the waters as we get our feet wet this year. And I pray for those who've never received you that they would just pray this prayer right now silently to you. Dear Jesus Christ, save me. I'm tired of trying to save myself. I give up. Save me. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life. Take me to heaven one day. Help me follow you from now on and be the Lord of my life. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's just thank God and praise him for who he is. We have a God who will never fail us and never let us go. And now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God. And what a great thing to get started in the new year to give to God, to put him first in such an important area of your life. So as you give, I'm praying for God to fulfill his promise to give back to you more than you could ever give. And I'm also praying for all the ministries and mission projects. We have over 120 mission projects and missions at Woodland Church that we're expanding for the glory of God as we get our feet wet to meet the needs of people in love. And so really get the new year started right by putting God first, but get the new year started right by praying for God to use you in such a powerful way as he's doing. Lord, bless our giving. We thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, that we're no longer slaves to fear, but we, Lord, are your children that you will never let go of. Just let us know that so that we can let go of the things in our lives that don't matter, so we can be givers rather than takers. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're a child of the living God, the one true God. Hey, next weekend, Chris and I will be speaking together. We really kick off the whole Frozen thing next weekend. We're having the real snow for the kids and all the fun. And don't miss it. It's going to be a powerful message. Hey, God bless you. And go Texans. Pretty awesome, huh? Yeah. So uh, don't miss next week. God bless you. Happy New Year, Woodlands Church. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. 
If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.